what's good everybody welcome to the podcast i am your host matt guest with me out in las vegas is matt morris we just finished up our 14 man draft about an hour ago got dinner in us and here we are man how did you uh how do you feel the 14 man league draft how do you feel about your squad man i um i feel blessed honestly we kind of talked a few episodes ago about how i ran through and tried to do essentially pairing mocks uh, which is ultimately, you know, you, you find your draft position, which I was nine, and you go nine, you go 18, you know, you go all the way through the realm and you see who's kind of there, who's not there. And I was really disappointed with what I was going to be looking at in this draft, really disappointed. Like it, the nine spot just didn't seem to be a place that um, allowed opportunity in the end of the draft. Lo and behold, we get into the draft tonight. Uh, Jay Jeff, you know, Justin Jefferson falls to me at nine, like absolutely mind blown. And then uh, Javante Williams comes right back around and he's there. So you just, you can never really, um, kind of imagine or foretell what's going to happen when you're drafting with human beings, right? This isn't a computer just taking the best available guy. We had Mike Evans get taken in the second round. They blew my yeah. mind over, over CD lamb. Um, you know, you were able to go out and, and get, get Joe Mixon, which allowed me to get Jefferson. Just a lot of different things happened. I honestly, I really like both of our teams. I think, I think as it stands today, barring catastrophic injuries, we're guaranteed playoff spots. And from there, you just have to see who hits, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm a guaranteed spot just because I did take a couple flyers on the receiving position, right? Like I have a couple guys that I think should be, no doubt, top 10, and we'll say top 15 guys, right? Guys that are going to get you at a minimum 10 a week, right? Cortland Sutton, Amon Ross St. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. But you never know, dude. Like, you know, like that's that's the magic of fantasy. I took Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins last year, and I was like, these guys are no doubt 15 to 20 points a week. Did not work out that way. Yeah, It just didn't, true. you know? And that's why I passed on Jefferson early as I just came into the draft with, look, I'm going to take two running backs no matter what. Even I was telling you before we got on here, like even if Cooper Cup's there, half point PPR, like 14 man league, I'm taking two running backs. Like I want to have two good running backs and hopefully the receivers I take late hit. And I already had the mindset going in that I'm going to take two to hopefully three rookie receivers at the back end and hopefully one of them pans out. I end up getting Traylon Burks and George Pickens. Um, for our listeners out here and for all the people that, you know, support us and listen to the pod, I if, if you're really into fantasy, you're really into football and you have a good group of people that are into it as well. I know it's a lot, but if you could find 14 people, I think moving into this is like my best friends. Me, Mac is like my best friends. Mm -hmm. league. We've had it for 10 years. We started as a 10, moved to 12 and we graduated to 14. <sighs> You've been in for what, like four years now? Three or Maybe four five? years. I'd say th I'd say three years because I wasn't in it the year you drafted that year our that house. We had the party at I our joined house. Uh -huh. the next year. Okay, that might have been four years ago. Honestly, regardless, so we yeah. moved to fourteen at least five, maybe six years ago now. And if you're into it, if you're into fantasy, you're into competition, you have a good group of people. I I genuinely every single year feel so grateful for the fourteen man league because it's unlike any other fantasy league that you're going to do because it's serious and because the draft matters so much whereas in a 10 man league 12 man league you know if you do like an eight or a six obviously but like the draft is a little bit irrelevant because everyone's going to be kind of loaded right i did a 10 man at, with my people at work super fun super good my team's great but i mean if you're into it you're deep like us like into researching looking at guys deep in the drafts actually having real strategy real plan real plan of action um 
man, the 14 is just every single year at the end of the draft. I'm like, that was freaking hard, dude. <laughs> well, and, and let's look at our benches, you know, collectively, right? You talked about having Traylon Burks. You've got George Pickens. you got Johan Dotson, guys that we liked. We did for the draft series. Right. So Jahan, on and so yeah. forth. Jahan, yep. Um, those are guys that are in most leagues sitting on the waiver wire. You know, if 100%. I'm in a league, Pickens is not. He's on my he's on my team. Uh, but Burks is on wires. Dotson's well, Dotson, on wires. For sure, yeah. Right? You've got Tony Pollard, who in past years was a waiver wire guy, late in flyer, but now he's obviously emerged as a as a you know very Potential usable flex. backup, possible flex with kind of what we talked about with him in regards to actually uh, possibly taking that slot receiver position. Mm-hmm. And then kind of coming over, we'll look at mine, Mike Davis. There is just a week one flyer, but it's, you know, say we have any – crazy thing that um jk dobbins is maybe out three weeks now right maybe something flares up mike davis after week one's gonna be the number one pickup right so i got him yep. romeo dobbs most leagues let's just see on espn how many leagues he's rostered in 19.5 percent. i guarantee after week one he's up he to 60%. might be he might be the he might start this mm-hmm. weekend if lazard's out yep. you know and it could be if christian not, watson gonna, it could be right like could be he's missed time though correct um, that's a homer pick Obviously, and but then Chris Olave, Kenneth Gainwell, like the guys we've we've obviously covered in the draft series. My point about bringing up the names that we both have is this is what you do at the end of the draft. You bank on those rookies or those those Romeo Dubs, right? Like you you can't go out there and just load up on all the backups, Julio right? The Jones, Alexander Morris, you know, yeah, like, exactly. Julio Jones, like that's a mistake. It's a mistake because you're gonna drop him. Yeah, I mean, perfect example. Two seasons ago, I, I take Jefferson. Um, his rookie yep. year, I take him late third. I don't know. I'll say 11th round, take him late. Um, drop him after the second week because he's just not doing anything weeks three till the end of the season. One people leagues, you know, and yeah. once again, you learn from your mistakes, right? And you're human and you're going to do things and you get impulsive. You start losing, you have your friends like, uh, and I know they're more my group of friends, obviously that I've brought you into, but everyone talks shit. Everyone's making fun of you. Like, so you get in your head a little bit sometimes, right? Shit happens, man. And you know, this is why, you know, I think the evolution of this 14 man format, like you've made, I've made so many mistakes, but made so many right moves at the same time that you kind of have an idea of, you just got to stick to your guns, man. And it's, there's nothing like it. It's, it's really fun, man. I'm, I'm glad we're able to, to do it together. And, you know, I'm, I'm, grateful for my my group of friends as well obviously that we've been able to do this for i think we're going on our 11th season now which is pretty incredible yeah and to your point of the 14 man i i have i mean i think this is my fourth or fifth league now and i enjoy this league actually the most because it's super competitive the draft is the hardest yeah as you said it perfectly like those last two three rounds they will make or break you they really will um and we would have had this in my long-standing friend league but we had a fallout and you know league split and now we have a 12 and now we have a 10 and that 10 every single season gets dwindled down to like seven because no right. one wants to beat it anymore. Right. And you got people then added to it to make it a 10. And I agree. If you can find There's a way, always to a guy bring, in, always a guy out, maybe oh, three yeah. people out. And the last know? week, oh, I, is, I pulled so-and-so yeah. from work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, to your point, like just get your fourth, get 13 of your best friends together. doesn't matter if they even know each other, lock them in. Get 13 competitive people, including yourself, right? And, like, once you have that, you're golden. Like, I, I don't know how many people come and go from this league. It doesn't seem like a lot. I'd say maybe one a year at maybe. most. Would you say this, that's a fair estimate? Just about we, – we've, we cycled number 14 now 
three times since you i think once one every year since you've been we've been trying to solidify but i think the guy we got in now was a friend we've always had that just hasn't been too into fantasy but would always come to beer olympics so he last year he like what we did we and we did this for dave another buddy like the year before we brought him in the league we're like hey do a fantasy league so you know what you're doing so you don't yeah. just come in and get taken advantage of, you know? Was he the guy and, that was on the Zoom that I didn't, didn't yeah, recognize? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Hey, never met him. Um, yeah. But yeah, and we just told him, you know, same deal. Like, hey, just mess around, do one last year if you like it, and we need a spot. Join up. Uh, we'll, we'll join you in, you know? So, and that's, I don't know, I'm lucky. We're, I'm, we're lucky, you know? Like, it is, it's not even well, the most expensive league I'm in, but it's just no. the, the pride about it is is no joke. <laughs> Well, and I, I find this now more than now that my friends are having kids, you being like the first, you know, and my other, my, my group of buddies from back home are starting to have kids and like mm-hmm. this holds people together. It's crazy. 100%. But like, I don't think if I had fantasy football and fantasy baseball in my life that a lot of my friendships would still be, you know, as developed or as connected as they are because yeah, at least one or two sports, three, four, five, six months out of the season where you are talking shit, you know, and like. That means there's six months you're talking. If you don't talk the other six months, whatever. Like come football time, you know you're talking to those people. And yeah, I think that's really the beauty of sports. And it's kind of why I think both of us probably um, gravitated towards that throughout our lives. And, and obviously, fantasy is just that next evolution. Yeah, my father. Last thing to wrap it, two things. My father has been the reason I did fantasy football. He's been doing a fantasy league with his friends. Uh, from Milwaukee, where he grew up, uh, they did fantasy back when they had to take score for the newspapers, <laughs> you know. Right. And they are still to this day doing it, and they have big money buy-in. Like theirs is no joke. They do partners, two people per team, because mm-hmm. talking a four-figure buy-in here, right? Like yeah. they don't mess around. Um, but it keeps them connected since the since the eighties. They've been connected. And they still do it every Labor Day, nine a.m. Central Standard Time. They're doing their live draft and they're calling my dad in from California, you know, and that that's one thing with this, man. And I think that's, you know, we're over a year on the pod here. I think it's a it's a catalyst to to this, you know, like mm-hmm. fantasy football connecting over sports. Right. That's how you and I connected when, before we moved in with each other. It's about the Packers and then it was fantasy and then it was friends. And next, you know, you're here. So um, if you can get that group, man, hold on to it. I, uh, cheers cheers to the boys i appreciate you guys this was uh every every single year it's great and hopefully we have a fun beer olympics that we plan out a little more well thought out this year myself included did not do a good job and you know it's those things that keep us together now that we're getting old bro it's it's a lot <laughs> well and you know yeah i think i'm gonna make an effort of that next year too to be at beer olympics no matter what because i think it's it's also a respect thing to the league where you know, you've, you've got to put the one day of effort in there, at least just to be around people. You don't have to drink a single beer if you don't want, right? You can finish last. Take last. Take yeah. last. But just to show up and um, kind of appreciate what you just said about the league, right? Like the whole like premise of your league is to have all of your friends and your longstanding friends to, to be there. And then those that have come to join the league to also honor that. Uh, I think this year being hard, the first year really after COVID, everybody's still trying to like figure out life, right? Next year, it's like, hey, we're full two years back now. Like it's time to start making those priorities priorities. You also had just had a kid, right? There's a lot of things to that. So a lot of things I did, cousin did, uh, mm-hmm. other buddy has a one-year-old, other buddy has two kids, you know, like yeah. we're not a shit. Kids what anymore. am I now? 29. Uh, we started this 11 years ago, right? You can do the yeah. math. It was about yeah, 18. 
you know <laughs> a lot easier to fuck around and do beer olympics <laughs> yeah. a lot easier to fuck around and yeah. be stupid so yeah um yeah we'll keep figuring it out um let's get to this week one episode though man we're we're finally here i'm stoked Okay, so what we want to do for this year's NFL football, um, to be honest, we're not going to go through every single game because some of the games we don't necessarily think are very relevant. We want to see how things pan out. But, you know, for example, here in this this, this week one slate, um, we're going to put the Pats and the Dolphins on the back burner. We're going to put the Jaguars and the Commanders on the back burner. Uh, we'll analyze it after the fact, but we think there's bigger storylines to be said and talked about going into the week. So Matt's actually made a pretty good list here that we're going to go through together. So I'm going to let you drive here through the 10 o'clock games and all the way through, starting with a couple questions that we have. I have some along the way for some of the bigger games. So Thursday night, Buffalo Rams, the team that is favored to win the Super Bowl this year, the team that didn't win last year, the Buffalo Bills <laughs> against the defending champs in L.A. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite going into this Thursday night game. Um, what's your big question? questions going into this game here? I do have one for you as well. First one, these are more player-related um, questions than they are overall team aspects. Perfect. First question, Rams-related. You know, What does Allen Robinson look like in this offense? Do we get 100 yards from him? Do we get 10 targets out of him? Uh, does he come out of the gate hot? You know, He's filling that Robert Woods role, that OBJ role, that number two receiver. And I think the expectation is very, very high for him in this new offense. And then the next question, running back position. We obviously wanted Brees Hall to fall into the laps of the Bills. They chose not to take him. They took James Cook out of Georgia, Delvin's younger brother. Uh, do we get Ooh. 10 rushes from Mr. Cook? And if so, <laughs> do we get to see possibly a new position this offense is going to be utilizing a lot heavier this season? Yeah, Um I, I'm high on Robinson. I love Robinson coming into this year. Um, I think he has a huge resurgence. I think he's a you know, top 15 wide receiver by the end of the season, no doubt about it. I think he is a better version of Odell because Odell is getting a little older. Obviously, he has two injuries now to the knee. And um, I just think he's a great complement to what Cooper Cup does. So I think Robinson probably goes out, gets close to 100 yards, maybe a touchdown. The James Cook aspect of things, I think it's a little premature. I, I don't think we see the volume out of Cook yet. I think Cook, if you drafted him in fantasy, I think Cook, if you are just like us, hoping that they establish a new running game. We like Singletary, but he's obviously just not the answer. Um, I can see him utilizing some screenplay, some third down opportunities, but um, I'd be surprised if he had a big role this Thursday. Yeah, and I, I have one big question for you, too. This is team-related, okay. Matt. I want to just kind of see what you're going to say. Rams last year ran this level of momentum and honestly this patch job for a team, right? <laughs> the holes that were holes had a patches over them. You had the superstars masking everything else, right? Aaron Darnold, sure. Jalen Ramsey. Um, you've had some additions this year, but you lose Andrew Wentworth, the left tackle. You lose a couple other pieces on that offensive line. Are you concerned at all? that those holes that we talked about last year will become a lot more evident in this off in this offense and in this team in general, now that they've already won the Super Bowl and that momentum may not be there. I do think it is an issue, Matt. I do. I, I really do. I think having Whitworth gone, um, some things, some guys move out on the defensive and offensive lines. Um, 
you know, move on or retire for the Los Angeles Rams. But I, I think I've turned a new leaf. I think I've turned the page. I think Sean McVay is an elite coach. And I think what his offense and his style that he runs is at a different level than most, you know, well more than a majority of coaches in the NFL. So I think that can match and honestly mask some of the issues that they might have up front. Um, I also think Stafford is very good. I think Cooper Cup is very good. And if they somehow, some way get Cam Akers to be a really, really good two to three down back and not get injured all year, I don't think we have much to worry about when it comes to that side of the ball for the Rams. Um, on defense, I think the addition of Bobby Wagner will help. And um, at the end of the day, they got Troy Hill back as well, too. So I, I think they'll be totally fine. And playing in the NFC West, they'll have to be good all year because it's not just going to be a cakewalk all season, having a super easy schedule. They play the AFC West as well throughout the season. So it won't be an easy road for the Rams. I, I think they'll be really, really good this year. This is my thing. I uh, I think you might need to talk me off the ledge here. I don't understand what the fascination is with the Buffalo Bills coming into the season. Now, I like the Bills. I think they're good. I definitely think they're the favorites in the East. Definitely think they're Super Bowl contenders. But am I crazy to think that it's ridiculous that they're favorites on the road in L.A. on the night the Rams are getting their rings the Buffalo Bills, if you go look at their schedule, didn't have a quality win last year until their playoff victory against the Patriots. Oh, Matt, but I know they lost the game because of a coin flip. Their defense gave up 42 points. Oh, but their defense is so good, they just got Von Miller. They might be starting two rookie cornerbacks Thursday night, Matt. I like yeah. the Bills. I like Josh Allen, but am I missing something that they might be a little just overhyped coming into the season. Their biggest win was at Kansas City Week 5, which then they proceeded to lose to Jacksonville and get hung 41 up by Carson Wentz in the Colts. They didn't do much last year against good teams. I don't know. Okay. Am, I, am I freaking out? What's going on here? Am I so missing I'm gonna, something? I'm going to have to do my best uh, sales impersonation here, okay? Okay. What did we say all last off, all all season last year with the Bills? We said they need to run the ball. We were I agree. screaming it, screaming right? Screaming it. I think had we saw Brian Dayball run the ball more, we would have seen more decisive victories as well as more victories out of them. I think it cost them some games. For what sure. happened once Josh Allen started running the ball, once Singletary became a, a piece of that offense, they started really gelling. I think the height of that ultimately was the Chiefs game. Right, you had the emergence of Gabriel Davis as a real viable number two option, a guy that can be a number two to Stefan Diggs. You know, you have the emergence of James Cook in the draft. Again, I do agree we're going to have to see where that goes. But what that ultimately is is it's one more tool in the toolbox with Singletary as well, right? With Zach Moss, you know, being more of a power back. Dawson Knox was a big red zone reception and a uh, big target for them last year. And you also have, uh, I think it's Isaiah McKenzie or McKinley playing that slot role for them this season, you have the weapons. And the reason I'm bringing all these weapons to light is because what happens when we saw Patrick Mahomes kind of emerge on the scene with all the weapons around him, you know, the ability to be elusive and the ability with the big arm, the NFL fell in love with him. What the Chiefs <laughs> never really have around him was a solid defense. Now, while I, I do think the Chiefs um, improved at times, you know, with Tyron Matthew, they never had what Buffalo has, Von Miller. 
If, who is the cornerback that they have that tore his ACL? He'll be back at least. Yeah, mid-season. he's out. Yeah, Trey he's White. Out, but it, yeah, White's right there. And Tredavious White, right? Top five corner in the league when he's healthy. For sure. You know? um, he had the rookie cornerback from Florida that they drafted who I really like. I think it's Elam. Elam, Could yeah. Be, yep, yep, Elam. Uh, and then you got Pryor at safety, right? You got the, the veteran leader yeah, out there. You got, You've got a lot of pieces. I get it. I get it. They still got lit up like a Christmas tree against the teams that were good last yeah, year. Yeah, but again, they, their saying. secondary was terrible, right? But the, you put Pryor in a position they're to be the same awful. team. No, nah, they're not, though. Sure, maybe week one, like, they're not going to have all their weapons, but you're talking about Tredavious White coming back. That's the same thing as Jair Alexander coming back. Completely changes the defense. Completely right. changes that defense, right? I, it, I can, yeah, I feel It that. does. Like, we know that from a Packers perspective. Yeah. They still played pretty well without him, but when he comes back, everyone's better. And you're talking about Elam probably playing a similar role as Stokes. They're similar players. Speed first. So you're talking about being able to allow him to go one-on-one with guys and really just allow that speed to play. I think you're going to see a huge step forward in this defense. And the last thing I'll say is Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. That's no joke. That is a literally Hall of Fame level pairing. How many teams have that? The Chiefs don't even have that anymore. I get you. I'm just saying they didn't beat anyone last year. So I just I think it's a joke that they're a favorite. I can't get behind taking the Bills. To, I hope I honestly hope right. I don't like the Rams, but like okay. But last thing I, I have to say. Go ahead. We picked the Packers. We picked them again this year. Who'd they beat last year? The Packers beat everybody in the NFC West, literally, in the regular but they, season. But they lost. They beat the Rams. But they lost sure, to the 49ers. Sure, sure, sure. But you asked me who they beat. They I fucking agree. beat everybody. They beat the Rams. They beat the Niners. Um, I'd have to run through it. But they beat the whole NFC West. Like, they had big, big wins all season. You know, they just happened the to not yeah. They, yeah, I was there. Unbelievable game. Uh, they they just happen to not know how to pump protect. You yeah. know, like and it's I, little I, things. I, I get it. Like I know everything situational, yeah. but just to announce them as the Super Bowl favorites, they're gonna beat the Super Bowl champs in their home opening night. Like it's not like the Rams got worse. You know, it's not like they got significantly better. They just didn't. Uh, I I also think though, like, Trey White's not going to be out there. They're going to have two rookie corners. They're going to get lit the fuck up by Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Yeah, but it, we, it saw, just we saw him in Poyer, a shootout. Like Poyer, they can Poyer play in and, a shootout. Yeah, not defensively. Poyer uh, and Hyde. Poyer, they, they can't. Poyer and they gave up a touch. They gave up the eighteen I know, seconds. But again, like, do we really believe that? I I personally do not believe that Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup is the same level of weapon and threat that Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill is. I don't sure, give a fine. shit what Cooper Cup did last that's, season. He's that's not Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that, that's fine. But I still don't think they can handle him. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a forty. Oh, they dominated game. Mac Jones last year. Cool. That's <laughs> dope. Oh, they dominated Tua last year. Sick. That's awesome. And the Jets. Oh my god. You know, like this is what I'm saying. Carson Wentz put 41 up on him. So what do you need they to see? They lost the Jaguars last Week year. I need to see them dominate. From them. But what's I, dominate? I, Give me a final score. Give me a final I, I score. need to see them not let them score more than 21, three touchdowns. Less than okay, three touchdowns, points. and I'll be somewhat impressed. Yeah. Okay. I'll be more than somewhat impressed. I will be impressed, I'll say. Not somewhat. I, 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 that's, that's listen, what I agree with you. Because, like, Tredavious is part ridiculous. of my equation. Uh, yeah. Almost every year that these guys come out, they're not right, right? Like almost every year. I'm sure like if we were to scale everything back last year, like maybe the Bucks or the Rams might have been favorites. Sure. Um, Maybe it was the Packers. But like 
at the most part, injuries play into this equation. Tredavious White got hurt last year. I think Tredavious White plays in that game against the Chiefs. We're talking about a completely 100%. different narrative. Here, I, I right? agree. Like, and same thing with Jair getting hurt. Like, damn, it sucked. But, like, it wasn't Jair's fault. The, Packers, the reason the Packers lost, it was Aaron Rodgers' fault and the special right. teams. But whole narrative I guess I'm trying to create here for you is the Bills on paper, when you get to the middle of the season, you're looking at Von Miller rushing the quarterback, you know, a, a, free, a rookie cornerback being – leveraged up by a top five cornerback and then two safeties who historically have been good but got absolutely picked apart because they were playing with losers last year <laughs> losers they were they really were though there's a reason they drafted a rookie cornerback right like they right. needed help next to Tredavious. oh well, i mean yeah obviously right like i mean you had these dudes running up and down the field mm-hmm. against them. I, I feel you bro i just yeah. like i've really dove deep into this narrative that the bills are by far the favorites which is I don't know. I, I, I like the Bills. I'm not trying to shit on them. I think they're a really good football team. But it's just, it's funny that we're just going to catapult them above the Bengals who got better but not worse last year and well, beat and the I team think, that you couldn't beat. I think and that's also the Kansas City Chiefs. I get they lose Tyreek and Tyron Matthew, but like we're just going to, we're just going to shoot you up there like that. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting to me. I think there's that's a lot to say about Joe Burrow. I think that's the betting favorite saying that we don't believe in Joe Burrow yet, right? Like we need to see that again from Joe to really announce them as a top three team in the AFC. Sure. Also, I think this has a lot more to say about the Chiefs than it does the Bills. Without Tyree Kill, I think it scares a lot of the, the odds makers away because they don't know what Patrick Mahomes is without a guy that can take the top off of defense. For sure. I, I think this says a lot more about the teams in the AFC being more balanced than it being so top heavy like it used to be. Because right. it used to be, you know, if the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, something crazy happened. And that was kind of the truth. And if it wasn't the Chiefs, it was then the Patriots, right? Um, it's Ravens, Bills, Chargers. Like, there's a lot of Chiefs. Like, there's a lot of competition. And I think ultimately the odds makers are just saying, okay, we like the Bills out of all those teams. It's that simple. For sure. And, well, they got the Patriots treatment, right? Like, they should yep. lose one division game max. Yeah. Right? Like, they should run through that division, get to the playoffs, probably first round by probably number one seed which obviously gives you the advantage moving forward i get it i'm just not there yet um let's start in chicago with that bears niners game i'll let you kick everything off and i'll just chime in brother Hell yeah. And I think this Bears 49ers game is really, you know, it's obviously 10 o'clock. We have the kickoff for Sunday. The really big question here for me is who is going to be that featured weapon for Chicago? Right. We have obviously the names of David Montgomery. We have Mooney. We have Cole Komet, who was, you know, a valuable asset in draft picks that was taken and hasn't really been featured. Who becomes that player? Uh, For me, obviously, I think I'm high on Komet. We talked about that. But what do you think, Matt? Who's the weapon after week one that you're like, he's the Bears featured guy? Yeah, I I think it. I mean, I think it. I, it sounds crazy, but I think it's got to be Montgomery, dude. Mm. I think everything is gonna have to start and stop with Montgomery. Now, I think the complement to that is Darnell Mooney, but you can't have Darnell Mooney with no run game. That's the thing, right? We've all noted that the Bears' offensive line is their weak point. That is their biggest issue. A good way to help out a bad offensive line is to A, run the ball, and then B, use play action off of it to spring guys like Mooney who can get open, but maybe it does take a few seconds extra to get them open down the field. So I, my heart and kind of like my gut says Mooney, but I think realistically when you really break down the team, it has to be David Montgomery. He has to be the catalyst of the offense to help Fields 
Mooney, your guy, and my guy, Komet. Well, I like that because if you think about Montgomery being involved early, what's going to happen throughout this season as it develops is more stacked boxes, right? Which is then going to turn into can Cole Komet be that guy over the middle in that slot position to really take away some of that leverage where you have to drop those linebackers back into coverage, right? Then alleviating the position for Montgomery not to have such a stacked box. I think the 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 um, portfolio is set up for them. If they just go out there and they execute, right, and they follow through on these three levels, they've got three level players. And that's really key. We talked about that when it came to the draft series. Uh, it will be interesting to watch. So now I have the next question for you, Matt. Trey Lance obviously <laughs> making his you know 2022 start. Uh, he right. is now the 49ers quarterback. So the big question against this Bears defense, do you think that Trey Lance can go for over or under four touchdowns? Yeah, uh, um, over, under, I'd probably, if I was going to bet, I was going to, I'd bet under now. Do I think he should go over? Absolutely. But I don't know, man. I just, I still haven't seen enough out of him in the preseason and his two starts last year. He looked good against the Texans. It took him a whole half. Um, I don't think we see peak Trey Lance till probably week six or week seven. It's going to take a little bit of time. I'm also not super high on Trey Lance, to be honest with you. I I think he's going to be a little bit of a project coming out of, college and what he had produced at the preseason in the previous season before or the previous start before um i don't see him scoring for this weekend i just what what i want to see out of trey what i think is a win isn't four touchdowns i think it's no turnovers i think it's commanding the offense i think it's making drives down the field and hopefully executing in the red zone but i think the biggest thing is no turnovers for him but i do not see him um getting those four touchdowns yeah, it'll be interesting. The reason I bring this question up is because uh, we just kind of got done talking about fantasy. I could see the hype <laughs> blowing through the ceiling here. If for Trey sure. can come out right and run for two, maybe throw for two, maybe I think I said to you off air, like he gets three, but he gets a fourth one in garbage time. Sure. And the, the hype is just full blown beyond Jalen Hurts. And it's like, you know, settle that down a little bit. Like I do think right. Trey is going to have a season, like you said, where going to have some really good games and he's going to be a, a, a rookie per se right i know he's the second year but he's gonna be a rookie in some games he's gonna he's gonna take some time to develop um yeah but i agree i think four is it's a hard question there yeah i also like as we i want to bring this up to the listeners if anyone does dfs daily fantasy or anything like that or just gambles in general i wouldn't mind a sprinkle on a uh, two plus maybe three plus touchdown day for lance right like a small small like quarter unit bet on it or for a dfs right like have him as your quarterback and then maybe some other really good guys for a small um bet on a good lineup you know i i, I think it's worth a sprinkle because the bears are so bad but i am a little nervous about this game betting wise will make our picks at the end of the episode and all that stuff but um i'm a little nervous with the new regime bears at home like San Fran having to travel to the Midwest. It could get a little dicey, honestly. It really could. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears won, but I will not pick them to win. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to think on that. We'll have to stew on that for the end of the episode here. Yeah. Um, I've got our next game for us, Matt. So it's cool. Browns versus Panthers. It's Baker Mayfield's return, in a way, against his former team. They are playing in Carolina here. Um, right. So two questions for you. We're going to start off. Which Baker Mayfield do you expect to show up on Sunday? <laughs> um, I think I think good Baker. I, I think I've been on the record here on this podcast saying that I don't think Baker's as bad as the guy that we saw last year. He was obviously playing hurt. Now, I don't think he's a top 15 quarterback, nor will ever be. Honestly, he's just going to kind of be your middle of the road guy. But 
Jimmy G, same deal, middle-of-the-road guy. He can get you wins. If McCaffrey stays healthy, if DJ Moore can play well, and that young Carolina defense can make stops, I see them winning and covering this game no problem. Um, once again, similar to Trey Lance, I don't care if he throws four touchdowns. I don't care if he throws for 500 yards, right? Baker Mayfield, control the ball, control the line of scrimmage, make sure we're moving the ball up and down the field. No stupid decisions, no turnovers, and I think it's a lock for Carolina. A lot easier said than done, though. Well, and we saw CMC and Sam Darnold go 4-0 last season to start the year, right? And Correct. we thought, hey, Sam Darnold's fixed. Oh, my God. Right. Right? <laughs> right. CMC goes down, and holy cow, do we see what really Sam Darnold is. Right. Um, I think you're talking about an elevated version of even that this year, right? Baker's going to have finally a chip on his shoulder, but also a guy that he can fully rely on. And I don't think that's necessarily fair because Nick Chubb's the next question I have for you. He's a great guy, too. So same thing with Kareem Hunt. But Christian McCaffrey's <laughs> right. going to be that safety net that maybe Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt couldn't do together because Christian is both of them put into one body. Um, and this team will operate as CMC operates. But I think with Baker, you have an opportunity to really showcase yourself as you know, we know what the platform for this team moving forward is. I so agree. that brings brings us to the next question. Uh, we mentioned Nick Chubb. You know, you have Nick Chubb on your fantasy team. I drafted so now, him today. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, and answer it as unbiasedly as possible. How many touches do you really expect from Nick Chubb to start this game one of the season and then moving forward without Deshaun Watson? Well, I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong here, I know you were a Nick Chubb owner previously. I know he gets banged up pretty frequently, um, but I think this is the first offseason he's kind of gone without an injury designation, if I'm correct. I could be wrong on that, but anyways, where I'm going with this is I, I expect 25 touches uh screens and runs i expect about 20 to 21 runs and i'd say three catches three Mm -hmm. four catches is what he obviously hunts the receiving back but without deshaun watson they're going to be relying on those two guys a lot more and that's honestly why i kind of reached a little bit to grab nick chubb is i think it's funny that he fell down draft boards because if watson was there he easily would have been a first down or first round pick you know latter half of the first round maybe right at the beginning of the second um I think Chubb is going to be an integral part of this offense if the Cleveland Browns want to have any shot at making the playoffs or even being there by the time Deshaun comes back. It's because they're going to feature him. But I think realistically, I think 25 touches is something I can get behind. Hopefully more for me, but I think 25. Well, you're spot on with that. I think Nick Chubb's fall in fantasy drafts was um, was confusing to me a lot because when you think about actual like talented running backs in the NFL – He's Might be gotta the best. be top ten. You know what I mean? Easily. Like you're saying top best, five. I'm he's saying top ten. Five. Like, he's a top beast. five for sure. Um, the unfortunate nature of his career has been those injuries, but it's also been right. the fact that he's got Kareem Hunt right behind him. How many other starting dominant running backs in this league have a also good starting running back behind them? And that's what that's what Nick Chubb has. Kareem Hunt's a good running back, starting probably in 25 other teams, you know, 20 other teams. Um, so I fully, fully agree with you. And I honestly would not be surprised if Kareem Hunt is moved at some point this season for a third he's or already, fourth round pick. He's yeah. already uh, said his displeasure. That's mm-hmm. probably a bad way of saying it. But like, hey, I want to go play somewhere else. You know, I want to be the featured back, which he deservedly so should. But um, maybe that, you know, gets into it. And they're like, fine, Kareem. Like, we'll just have you just chill out. Wait till Chubb does get hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and we're just going to run him through the ground. But I hope not. But I, I'd say 25 touches. And they've also got that kid that showcased himself a little bit last yeah. year. You know, uh, John, I, I can't remember Johnson. his name. 
Um, Dearness Johnson, yep, yep, yep. yep. So if he can emerge, I I could see Hunt being moved, and then Chubb having even a bigger role. But uh, let's move on. We've got uh, we've got kind of a snoozer, at least from our perspective, and maybe we're gauging this wrong. You said off air this next game, Colts versus Texans in Houston (laughs) might be a surprise game. Um, My question for you though is regarding the wide receiver position for the Colts. Okay, is if Michael Pittman doesn't come out of this this game with you know eight catches, nine catches, one hundred thirty yards, and a touchdown, say he completely snoozes and goes for like three receptions, thirty seven yards, are mm-hmm. we selling Michael Pittman's breakout in twenty twenty two, or are you not as worried? I, I can't I can't sell after one game, especially okay. especially this is kind of a sidebar for just week one in general. If these guys haven't played in the preseason yet, expect them to play. Like hmm, like use, it. use the Packers as week one last year as a perfect example for this. Um, I'll sell week three. If, if you're bad by week three. Now I am really interested to see where our guy Stingley ends up lining up. Is he going to be on Pittman? Are they going to have one of their more veteran cornerbacks for Houston on Pittman? Um, I don't know, man. I, I really like Pittman this year. I think he's going to be solid, but I think, unfortunately, in fantasy, his ADP, as they call it, was a little too high for me. You know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for me personally. Um, If he doesn't have a breakout year this year, though, it it is going to be alarming. I do like the young guy, Alec Pierce, out of Cincinnati, not to be like, you know, 150 yards or anything, but I think he'll play a big role. And um, at the end of the day, it's all about Jonathan Taylor, right? So if they can get Jonathan Taylor going, that team's going to get going and Pittman will play well. If Taylor doesn't get going and they know they have to throw the ball, we'll see, man. Um, but I, I'm not selling anyone's stock until, like I said, around week three, probably that first quarter of the season, as they say in the NFL. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good comment, too, if you have people after week one that are panicking. Right, this time take advantage. Always happen. You're right. You got a guy that maybe scores 85 points, was you know, expecting a 120 point dominant game, and he wants to sell off his wide receiver one because he's he's just in the dumps. Like go after it. Uh, I think Packers Saints last year is a perfect example. I remember watching that game and thinking, what are they doing? Like I called you freaking out. <laughs> expectations like, were this this magical season which they had, and after week one, we're like, this team might not go 500. Like is, it, <laughs> right. is Aaron done? Right. Right. MVP. Right. Um, what, okay. what happened to this defense? Defensive yeah. coordinator got fired, and they gave forty points to James Woods. <laughs> yeah, what was going doing? on? Oh my god, yeah. we hired the wrong guy. Um, all right, next game we got Eagles Lions. <laughs> um, big question here, I think, is this should be Jalen Hurts' opportunity to absolutely feast in the passing game. Do you foresee a three hundred, a four hundred yard game, or do you foresee ultimately Jalen Hurts running into some challenges against the Detroit Lions? Um, I've been on record once again saying I'm not very high on the lines. Um, I don't think there's any excuse for anything under 300 for him. Yep. Um, this is also has a lot to say about AJ Brown as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think after the NFL, after the draft, he's kind of gone under the radar, right? I think he's correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, probably outside of Philadelphia, especially here on the West coast where we're at, he's been a little forgotten. He's definitely yep. been disrespected from a fantasy perspective. You know, every draft he's way, way down there. Um, he's the number one. They still have Devontae Smith. I love Dallas Goddard. The backfield is suspect, but I mean, you pull up Madden, you pull up their roster, wide receiver, running backs, tight ends compared to most of the league. I, I'd say they're top 10 easily, right? Um, the Lions are a bottom half team. They're going to be a bottom half team this year. I know you're kind of disagreeing with me on that, but I will be disappointed if he doesn't throw for 300 yards, if they don't put up a big score on them, um, if they don't beat them handily. 
to be honest with you, I know the games in Detroit, they're only a four-point favorite. I expect them to win by a touchdown at least. Listen, I love Detroit, but we said this last week. Their defense, it's anemic. It's so bad. bad and Aiden Hutchinson's going to help getting a little bit of pressure, but that's not going to make up for their absolutely atrocious secondary. Right. And kind of like I said with Michael Pittman, if Jalen Hurts can't go out there and dissect the secondary, even moderately have a good game, 300 yards, I'm going to be a little bit concerned. You know, but like you said, Packers Saints, Early, you know, but yeah. the expectations. Um, but he should. I mean, this this secondary's bad. Um, and I big thing I want to add to what you said, you, you talked about this this Eagles stout offense. I think Kenneth Gainwell has an amazing opportunity this season to really surprise some people. If Saunders can't stay healthy, if he just cannot be that role that hurts and needs him to be, Gainwell will be out there catching screens, catching flat routes. Uh, catching wheel routes. Gainwell is definitely the guy to watch for in the receiving purposes of this Eagles team. Uh, he is on their size, though. So from the running perspective of actually rushing the ball, you know, hold expectations lower. But we do have our next matchup for you, Matt. Um, it's going to be Ravens-Jets. And you're oh, yeah. a huge Ravens fan. This is your second dubbed team. My question yeah. for you I don't is, have the. I don't have my Ravens helmet up on the wall. I couldn't. We need to get it I up want, I, I, Well, I have the little mini helmet. I just couldn't. It looked it looked bad next to Bob Marley. I'll get it up there. <laughs> I, I have like the floating shelves I want to put up, but Bob's not a yeah. Ravens fan yet, huh? Uh, I guess not. Huh? We got maybe we gotta... Brett Favre isn't because Brett didn't want him next to him. I think that's that's true. That's what, that's where we're at on here. Brett that's Brett probably, probably does not out. like the Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I have a question, but I really want you to kind of lead the Ravens since you know that you okay. know this team so well. My question is ultimately against the Jets. I want to see where that offensive line is. You know, it's been right. in question over the last couple of years. Um. You know, what do you think of the offensive line week one? And then is there, is there any other storyline that you really want to watch for? Um, yeah, the offensive line's big. I think the other storyline is the secondary, right? We had a mm. decimated we <laughs> had a decimated secondary last season. You know, Peters goes out in the preseason. Jimmy Smith could not stay healthy to save his life. Um, I thought Humphrey had a bad year. My late play like shit, honestly. And he's one of the more higher paid cornerbacks in the league. He's a fantastic quarterback. He's amazing. Um, but I thought he didn't play good. And I expect more out of him. And I think if that secondary locks it down, they are, you know, they're they're a top five defense in the NFL. Um, obviously, the big storyline is Lamar Jackson, right? He went down last year. Their season fell apart. I am, unfortunately, I have Lamar in one fantasy league right now. But I, I'll let you know right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar Jackson wins the MVP. I have a ticket in, small sprinkle ticket for him to win MVP this year. Um, there's nothing more I've said this, you know, that I love than guys on contract years. Expect Lamar to have that game like he had two seasons ago. Opening day, 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. Just, uh, hey, remember, I'm very, 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 very good at football because he is. I, I think the storyline all season for the Ravens is Lamar Jackson. And can he eliminate the stupid fumbles? Can he eliminate the stupid turnovers? Can he eliminate the kind of boneheaded plays that he makes and just be consistent and electric? And if he is, um, like we talked about on the last episode, I, I really genuinely see them making a fucking run this year for sure. Yeah. You know, you've dubbed this the uh, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Judge year, right? Like yeah, for sure. Two, two massive athletes, uh, highly polarizing contract seasons, big markets and kind of idols of their game. Um, and we've, we're seeing it play out with Aaron Judge. Let's see it with Lamar Jackson. I, I fully agree with I'd you. Love I, to. I also am interested in you know, Robert Sala now year two. Can mm -hmm. we maybe see the Jets actually start to build a foundation on defense as to what they want to be? You know, can they make life challenging for Lamar Jackson? I, I don't think they stand God's chance at winning this game. 
But if they could go out and hold Lamar to say 270, maybe two touchdowns and a pick. Sure, and a couple turnovers kind of, for sure. Yeah, form that foundation for this is what we're going to be. I think that would really say a lot for Robert Sala and what, what they're going to do with that Jets team moving forward this season because it's not going to be a good year, but it could be a year to set the foundation, kind of yeah. like what we've seen in Detroit. Yeah, um, I, have a, I have a quick question about, I guess, the Jets, but bad teams in general. Like what? Sure. What, what are your thoughts on, like, so I, I got a buddy, we, we make bets together and stuff, but, like, he's nervous about the Ravens against the Jets because the Jets have a lot of offseason hype. They made really good draft picks. But just these bad teams in the offseason in general is, like, how hard is it for the Jets, the Jaguars, the Commanders, some of these, like, really, really bad teams to get over that hurdle even with a good offseason, even with good draft picks? Like, you could have the most talent in the world. Like the Giants, same deal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fall on just I've, I've been watching the Hard Knock series with the Lions and okay. uh, first couple episodes I you know they show only snippets of what these conversations with Dan Campbell and the team are. In first episode I'm like damn I really like I don't love what Dan Campbell's saying like I, I would say things differently as a coach I'd be completely mm-hmm. blunt and honest we we have sucked and it's time to change this right it's time to change the foundation it's time to change the expectation it's time to change the mindset that we come into the building every single day. Mm-hmm. And by episode two or three, that's kind of the thing that Dan Campbell was saying. And I was like, damn, you can feel it from the players now, right? You can feel that he's not telling them Super Bowl or bust or playoffs or bust. He's like, change how you come into the building every day. Um, And I think that's what it really takes. Take away the Garrett Wilsons, you know, fourth, fifth overall pick. Take away the Zach Wilsons, the Brees Halls. Like, it starts with that mindset. And that's why I'm a believer with the Lions. Um, We're going to see that week one with the Jets. Kind of the the total reason that I just said what I said. Does you know is Robert Sala motivating these guys to come in and compete? All you're doing is competing, right? You're not going to go out right. and really tell these guys we're going to go blow out the Ravens, but go out and like earn your job. Now, yeah, I don't buy into the hype because they are will they are rookies, right? Like Brees Hall's a rookie, Garrett Wilson's a rookie, Zach Wilson is coming off an injury, right? Yeah, you I don't lost think your left play. your left tackle for probably the his career. Um, and from their defensive perspective, yeah, sure, Sauce Garner is great, but like. You know, like who else is out there? And I can't even to the top of my head really come up with names. Um, so from a betting perspective, I'm hammering the Ravens. <laughs> but it's because it's the Ravens, right? Like if we look at the Lions, they're playing the Eagles. I also am hammering the, the, the Eagles. But say, for example, this was Jags-Lions, probably liking the Lions. They're hype probably. more than I'm hype, liking the Jags hype with ETN, right? So betting perspective, I don't, I don't buy the, the preseason hype for bad teams. I really don't. Yeah, no, I don't know. I feel you. It's just it's interesting how things how you forget after four or five months off of football. Like, yeah, the Jets had a sweet draft. They look great. They're fun <laughs> on Madden, but they're not in the same class as no. the Ravens. No, we talked about that off air about some of these uh, these lines that were put up. You know, Broncos Seahawks like six and a half favorite for. And I'm gonna be Broncos. real mad if I don't make money this weekend. But um, we can move on. It's outrageous. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got our last game of the ten o'clock slate. And then we might have to go back and actually talk about the Thursday night game. Maybe we'll do that yeah, at the end will. here. Um, but it's Steelers-Bengals. And I'm very excited for this game, Matt. And the big question I have for you might be outlandish to some people, but it's can Mitchell Trubisky beat our boy Joe Burrow? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I just So this is my thing with the Steelers, and this is a little insider info on our draft. I know we've kind of been talking about it a lot here on the episode, but – I took Mixon over Najee Harris for two reasons. One is I love the offense around Joe Mixon better. And by the offense, I mean the offensive line, 
the weapons on the outside and the quarterback, right? Because that all complements the run game and getting onto the red zone and getting goal line touches to get easy touchdowns for fantasy, right? I hate everything about that for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a bottom, we'll say 10 offensive line. As much as you and I are actually, you more than me on the Trubisky train, hopefully he does better. He's still a bottom 10 quarterback, right? We can give him 20 out of 30 or 32, whatever, 22. Um, and at the end of the day, their weapons aren't that nice on the outside. So the threat of the pass is not going to be there. And I just, I, I just don't think that the Steelers are very good this year. Um, somehow they'll find a way to go 500 because Mike Tomlin might be the best coach in the NFL straight up. He's never had a losing season ever, which is crazy. Um, but I just don't see a way that Mitch goes into Cincinnati and wins this game week one. I also, on top of that, think it's really interesting that the Bengals are being very disrespected and not picked to, they're not favorites to win the division. They're obviously not favorites to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I get the AFC is loaded, but to just give the Ravens that division is is quite shocking. I know you and I picked them, but Cincinnati got better, not worse this offseason. So it's really interesting. I think Cincinnati is going to come back with a huge chip on their shoulder this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like everything you said. I, I'm in this for this standpoint alone. I'm just going dis- to disagree with you here. I think there's a chance Pittsburgh wins this game. Um, I don't disagree that the line's going to need work, but I think if Trubisky can avoid turning the ball over, I like Pittsburgh's defense. Obviously, you know, uh, I do like their defense. Yeah. Watt, if they can stifle Joe Burrow, and we saw that a few times last year where he just came out and was right. stopped. Just, you know, he just didn't, it, nothing worked for him. If he can't get the ball of those weapons, what are what good are those weapons? And that's why I think Watt comes into play here. And I think Fitzpatrick obviously taking advantage of some maybe um, errant throws, but not saying that I like I, I'd put money on this. I do just think there's a chance Pittsburgh wins, and it's because of what you said with Mike Tomlin. Like Pittsburgh has the ability to win games they shouldn't win. Now, do they do that more more often than not without Big Ben in his prime? No, but I, I do <laughs> think that Najee is going to get. 30 touches in this game, right? And if Trubisky can hold back and not throw this ball into zone coverage and get picked off, like they're going to be pretty efficient. And you're going to look for that Pittsburgh kicker to put up four field goals, right? Yeah, um, Yeah, hammer him in the first week. But um, I am interested to watch this game and, and kind of see what happens. And, you know, it rounds out the 10 o'clock games. I mean, and, and on top of that, Matt, say he doesn't, right? What do you give him three weeks before the Kenny Pickett chance start coming? before what? the home cooking, you know, like Kenny Pickett and I give Pat McAfee big credit to this because they're from Pittsburgh. A couple of guys on the show are big Steelers fans is Pickett grew up in Pittsburgh, basically went to college there for like five years. Like how soon till it's like, fine, I guess we let the kid come out, you know, like how short is the leash on Mitch? I don't even think it's fair that it's short, but how short do you think it is? Four games, no, three, four games, but in, in, in probably he the- has to play bad. That's the thing though. Like, yeah. I think he comes out and shows us the best version of what he had in Chicago. Really, honestly. A great game manager with a good amount right. of athleticism. I really think you're right. That is going to have better weapons already day one in Pittsburgh than he had in Chicago. And that's taken a right. lot of di- – that's disrespect to Allen Robinson. I'm sorry, Allen. But well, but got- the one season he played well, Robinson was Pro Bowl good. caliber. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. So, but you've got Pickens, a great athlete out there. You've got Chase, you know, TikTok Claypool out there who has a role. <laughs> got Johnson. 
um, and Harris, and you've got Pat Fryermuth. Like he's, I know you said he doesn't have great weapons, but it's it's because they haven't emerged as superstars yet. They, there's guys that I could emerge as superstars, and I think that's Fryermuth, and I think that's Pickens. Now, is Trubisky the guy to help them emerge as superstars? I don't think. So. I think I think that's Pickett, but Trubisky, I, I don't think he's going to play as bad as people think. And game managers can win games with with good defenses, and and I think with. Uh, Watt and Fitzpatrick out there, like you got playmakers, you know, never rule out playmakers. All righty. So here we are one o'clock games, by the way, if you haven't told, it can tell by now we're, we're going off the West coast times here. So we can have this debate one day, maybe like what's the best time <laughs> zone to watch games. in? we watch on the West coast starts at 10 next games are at one night games at five. Okay. That's just how we do things. So we're rolling into the one o'clock slate. That's how we do things out here on the West Coast. Um, Matt, same deal. I'll kind of let you drive here. We'll talk it over, discuss basically the rest of the games for the weekend because they're all fantastic. So uh, let's go. Yeah, man. And our boys are up first. It's Packers-Vikings. Two big questions in this game. And both questions are going to be reliant on the answers of each question. So we're going to (laughs) kick off here. Question for the Packers. Who do you expect from the wide receiver position to step up? And do you expect someone to step up in this game? And when I say that, I say 100 yards, two touchdowns, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, so this, this is where I, I stumbled on my second pick and I took Chubb. But uh, yes, in the guys, Aaron Jones. Mm. I don't think it's Lazard. I don't think it's Romeo Dobbs. Uh, reports are coming out that Tunyon's actually going to play. Um, wow. He's been looking good, which is... Uh, I'm really excited, but nervous. I don't want him to rush. Um, I think, I think the X factor for them is is Jones this year. Um, so yes, I, I think it's Aaron Jones. Man, if he takes a step forward in progression or you know productivity, that's like number one running back in fantasy. You're talking right. about eight to 12, ten catches a game and 150 you know, all-purpose yards, ten to fifteen you know, rushes. Yeah, like Christian McCaffrey my, type, not on that level, but like type not on that volume but i think on that productivity level you know what i mean like he's not going to touch the ball 30 times a game because he doesn't need to because he's got aj behind him but yeah man right I, I like that answer um all right next question we've said this a lot on the podcast vikings defense is not what the overall marketplace of the nfl says it is correct do you expect for them with the, some of the offseason additions to take a step forward or do you expect for them to exactly answer that bell that we have said which is disappointment I think they I think they stay the same. You know, like I, I like the addition of Darius Smith, but I don't think what they did is take a step forward. I think they're gonna take a step back in the sense that Mike Zimmer <clears throat> is a defensive minded coach and now they're moving to a more offensive minded philosophy in the locker room. I just don't I don't like who they have on their defense, you know. I, I love Harrison Smith, I love Zadarius Smith, I like Kendrick. Um, but they lost Anthony Barr as well, who's kind of on the twilight of his career. And at the end of the day, I just don't think they have elite level talent at um, basically any level. I'd, I'd give Harrison Smith that because uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I think a little bit more than you do. But I don't expect the Vikings defense to be anything special. Now, with that being said, opening day in Minnesota, one o'clock start. Um, I, I do expect the Packers to struggle. Yeah, they. Did. I mean, they did last year against the Saints, and we've talked about this in Minnesota. They just we always struggle there. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't even struggle offensively there last year. It's just, it's just one of those things, man. It's division games, and you know when you're looking at betting, just kind of going off on a tangent here real quick. When you're looking at betting, 
especially in the NFL. You know, you can't overlook these division matchups. Steelers, Bengals, perfect example, something we yep. talked about last time. Saints, Falcons, I think that is an absolute lock. We will go over our my locks and what I think is great at the end, but um, fucking Colts, Texans. Don't be surprised if Texans win. Mm-hmm. You know, like our shit boy, happens, Davis. man. Like shit happens in... It's unexplainable, but that's football, and that's why we sign up for this. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kevin O'Connell is now the Minnesota Vikings head coach, correct? Yeah. Okay, so I think this is going to be a really cool matchup. Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams, right? Mm Offensive-minded head coach. You said it. They're transitioning to a new way of life in Minnesota with football and an emphasis on offense. Packers defense coming in with all the expectations, national expectations, right? top five defense we're expecting possible Best number one defense in yeah. the league if they don't come out week one and absolutely step on kevin o'connell's throat i'm gonna be a little disappointed because sure. that's what a number one defense does it comes into a new head coach and says welcome to the nfl right three picks five sacks absolutely <laughs> dismantling of the offense from minnesota yeah. and i'm not that's not my expectation but i'm just saying if that defense can do that you would, you can now announce them top five defense. Like, they're here, right? Yeah. Because he's got a good offensive mind. He's got incredible weapons with Justin Jefferson, you know, Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen is still a good player. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. But if he can come in there and absolutely dominate them, like, that's the storyline, I think, out of all of these that I'm really looking for, is Green Bay's defense showing up week one and announcing themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I don't expect much from... Rodgers in the offense. Mm-hmm. I don't expect Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, the boys. Like I don't expect them to win as the game. I agree with you. The hype has been there. The last five years of draft picks have been there. Like this is it. Where we're all in, right? Quay Walker, yep. Wyatt, uh, Jair Alexander, obviously Russell Douglas. We got the boys back to Andre Campbell. Like let's see it, right? Hold him to thirteen yep. points, and we win seventeen thirteen. Yeah. Right. And, and, that's, and no that's how I think we win the game. We don't win yeah. like we did last year, you know, whatever it was, 31 28 or whatever. Yeah. Like we win because we beat the shit out of them defensively. Love it. Um, all right, Matt, moving on. Maybe the next most exciting team in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs, is going to be going yeah, up against yeah. Kyler Murray's Cardinals. Got a lot of injuries in this game. I'm not going to go through all of them because okay. that's what we did last year, but I got a good question for you. Yep. And it relies for both teams here. We're talking week one target share. Tyreek Hill's gone. Kelsey's obviously, you know, the piece there. Outside of Kelsey for the Chiefs, who do you expect to get the highest amount of volumes? And then also for the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins out. Marquise Hollywood-Brown is in. Um, yeah. Same thing. Same question. Who gets those targets? Both Man. teams. Um, once again, maybe a biased thing because I just picked him in fantasy, <laughs> but I, I don't like. But I just like I maybe talk me off the ledge here. I don't I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know how it's not Juju. I don't like I don't know how he doesn't get we'll say Kelsey gets 10 catches. I don't know how Juju's not getting six or seven, right? Like I don't know. Like MVS isn't that guy. Um Sky Moore, I don't think he's ready yet. Maybe in two months. Um Clyde Edwards Hilaire, no. You know, Pringle's gone. I just I don't know. I feel like it's the obvious thing that and that's what Juju is. He's a possession guy, right? He's not necessarily a burner. So I think on the Kansas City side, Juju, is that who you think? Where are you at on that? So I'm actually on CEH here. Um, okay. I, I, see, that's the only other one I can like. I yeah. Can oh, oh yeah. It. It's it's Juju or Clyde. There's right. nobody else. And I say CEH because he's finally, I think in year three now, 
Um, they yeah. invested a high first round pick in a guy, right? You got to go out there and really use him in his um, prototypical role. And I think now that Tyreek Hill is gone, you're going to see more 12, 13 play drives for the Chiefs, you know, more methodically moving down the field in possession roles, like you said, with guys like Juju and Sky Moore in the slot. Right. In offenses like that, West Coast per se, you're going to see more out of the running back. And I think this is really the opportunity to use Clyde Edward in a role that he's familiar with, which isn't a receiving back. And I don't think he's going to turn into an Aaron Jones production, but I think he could really be beneficial with, you know, 12 to 15 rushes, eight, nine receptions a game. No kidding. I really think that high. And you could see a lot of the offense start to uh, come out from him. And that would open up the top, right? Because Tyreek Hill used to open the top of the defense by himself. Well, you don't have that speed unless you're using Mecole Hardman. And Mecole, we just haven't seen that there yet. So you've got to get the running game engaged. And I think that starts with Clyde Edwards. Um, I think it'll be Juju and Clyde Edwards all season long, really kind of ramping up that offense. Right, because the backup's Ronald Jones. And like, Mm -hmm. no disrespect to Ronald, but he's not going to (laughs) take reps. Like, he's not... uh, It wasn't Daryl Williams, um, but it was with Daryl Williams. Uh, Williams. Well, they had Thompson there too a couple years ago. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they they just had guys that were, you know, had a shot at taking his reps. You know, like that. At the end of the day, it seems like they're all in on him. So I agree. I I can get behind Clyde Edwards-Lair. Now on Arizona, I think it's obvious it's James Conner. But the reason I passed on Conner in fantasy this year is because I've I dove deep. I was like, I I should take Conner. He's going to be there when. My time is up for that second pick. Dude, I just, and maybe this is you and I, because I think you're kind of on the same, you know, um, thought process as me is, I just think they're going to suck this year. <laughs> like, I just, I, I I don't know. Like, I, this is another game. I think this is Chiefs by a million. I just, I don't know. I, I'm all out on the Cardinals. I don't know why I have the sour taste in my mouth about that team right now, but their line sucks. Their defense sucks. Their weapons suck. Ertz is hurt. Um, not Hollywood, but the other kid, Rondale Moore hurt. Obviously, Hopkins suspended. Like, okay, run the ball. You know, like, not going to do anything in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard, and I I think we'd have to look back at their schedule. I know we ran through their record. Their schedule's not easy. We it's definitely not easy. picked them under six and a half or um, no, eight and a half. I think we picked them for six. I love them after week seven because you get DeAndre back, right? And then you pair Hollywood with DeAndre. Andy Isabel's been playing well. You get Rondell Moore back. Like, there's a lot of things Ertz, you could you do. You need Ertz. Ertz is, you know, Ertz, and I think Ertz is questionable week one. I think I just. That's what heard I'm saying. That. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think Rondell's mm-hmm. going to play either. Like, they're hurt, hurt. Yeah. So I expect Hollywood to get 15 targets in this game, 16 targets in this game, you know, just absolute ridiculous volume. And then Kyler and James to run the ball a lot. Um, and I think if you're, if you're a, a betting man, you're going to slide Hollywood into that lineup week one, and you're probably going to benefit just from the, the lion's share of the volume. But this, this definitely isn't the same situation as the chiefs, right? Like no. got a lot of good options there. You got guys that you can rely on, even though maybe in the past you haven't been able to fully rely on those guys. I think it's, it's two guys. And I'll tell you this, James Connor, I've stayed away from him in fantasy because the injury risk just scares the absolute hell out of me. I think yeah, last true. year was an aberration. I really do. <laughs> Yeah, and he got a lot of goal line carries. A lot of goal line carries. Yeah, he really he really cool. benefited from being a touchdown machine last year. Right. Um, all right, we got a kind of a boring game, but I got a question for you on this. We're moving on okay. to Giants and Titans, and the question is re- regarding a rookie. It's Traylon our Burks guy. here. Our guy. Our guy. Um, He's our guy. He is our guy, right? I don't He's- think there's a podcast out there more in on a guy 
And we are. Well, and if you were if you were a Packer, I probably have a tattoo of him somewhere on my body. <laughs> <laughs> so my question, Matt, uh, Traylon Burks, how many <laughs> targets do you want to see week one? Twelve. Like it. How many catches? Twelve. Uh, since Tannehill's throwing him seven. <laughs> yeah, since Tannehill's throwing him seven. I'm just looking like I like I I don't have the AJ Browns off numbers off the top of my head, yeah. but they were somewhere around the 60, 58-60% completion. Um, and I think trailing isn't where uh, AJ Brown was coming into the league. Um, but twelve. Who who else are you can throw the ball to? I guess they got uh Rob, Robbie Woods, right? But mm-hmm. coming off the ACL. I, I, I'd love to see twelve, man. Um Henry's gonna get the lion's share as we know, but I wanna see what this kid I've we saw a couple clips early in camp, but all I've been reading is he is tearing it the fuck yep. up. We knew it. Um, and I want to be right. So yeah. we want to be. Well, I'll speak for the both of us, Matt. We want to be right. We want to be right. I think yeah. he's that guy. And I want to. I want to play him on my fantasy team this year too. Once again, a little. Once again, a little biased. But well, and how um twelve? How shitty is it that the two guys we loved, Brees Hall and Drew couldn't have gone to more shit teams for their for their uh, profiles yeah well there's the universe kind of just laughing at us you know like hey you guys are right but we're gonna put them in positions where like you could be wrong to start their career yeah (laughs) um okay so before we move on here real quick i have an off the path question for you okay ryan Tannehill, jalen hurts who would you rather have throwing the ball to aj brown oh man I guess I'll say Hurts for now, but don't be surprised in two, mm. a month and a half if I say Tannehill. I know. I know. Honestly, I, I, like I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think yet. it's. I don't think it's clear cut. Yeah. I, I don't. I do not think it's close to clear cut. So. Yeah. Um, I will say Hurts just to give him the benefit of the doubt that I haven't seen him throw the ball. Sure. Because um, even though Tannehill single-handedly lost them that game to Kansas City last year, he did throw a couple dimes to yep. AJ Brown in that playoff game and throughout his time in Tennessee. So um, I don't like that question, but I'll go <laughs> with, I'll go with Hertz for now. I think, I think uh, Ryan might have the ability to drop some balls that Jalen doesn't have, but I think Jalen might actually Maybe. have a little bit more consistency. We'll, we'll know. We'll know. After I don't know. This year. Cause AJ is going to show us, right? Like sure. it, it's going to, we're going to know by AJ's numbers and by his, his film. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. I just wanted to kind of yeah. throw that out there. Good thought. Good thought. Um, next game. Chargers, Raiders, here Let's in Vegas, go, big time. I'm sure I'm going to be able to hear How's the, the hype stadium from my Already. house. Oh man, it's got to be hype. Yeah, it's Vegas, baby. Like this is this is where football football should have been here. Damn, for dude, a I wish now. like if I didn't have the kid, I'd debate consider trying to get you to take off work to just. I'm off on Sundays, go, dude. Fuck you, are to go to the book. I'm off on Sundays. Um, <laughs> all right, here's the question Sorry. though: Chargers, Raiders. You're, if you want to fly out, I'm I'm free, baby. Um. Chargers, Raiders, can we gauge the offenses, the defenses after this one game? And I built this question on the idea that, yes, I understand it's week one. But last year, two very, very different games when these two played each other. We had a blowout in game one. We had an absolute nail biter, possible tie in game two. And I think, honestly, after game two, that's who both teams were. Um, because game one, Chargers obviously just mopped the floor with them. So right. week one, a lot of additions for both of these teams. Are we going to know who each team is after the first game? The answer is no. Um, 
I think the big thing for me is I think it's all comes down to the quarterback play, right? Yep. In, in two different categories of is Justin Herbert the guy, right? Like, is he like you have him ranked a lot higher than I do in the overall quarterback hierarchy of the NFL right now. I don't think he's there yet. Personally, I think he has all the intangibles, the arm, everything that you should have to be there, but I just don't think he's proven it yet. And where I'm going with this is I think with Herbert and a guy like Derek Carr is there's no excuse to not prove that you're not the guy right for Herbert. That's top three in the league, top five in the league, like get into the Brady. Now, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers conversation. Now, Derek Carr, it's get yourself out of the conversations of the middle of the road guys, right? Of the guys that you're sitting there at the bottom and the Dak Prescott's of the world, you know, good quarterbacks, but not guys that you're putting as an elite status, right? So will we see any sort of step forward with these guys? For me, will we see Derek Carr show us anything different? If he gets a little pressure in his face, if he gets hit a couple of times, is he going to cower down and be the same guy we've seen? Or is he going to sit there and find the best receiver in the league? Um, and the last thing before I let you go is the new additions. Like, I want to see 17. Like, prove me right, please. Please don't let me down that there's no one better in the league than doing what you do. I want to see Devontae Ball. Bad. Like, I want to see him prove the, to the world Yes, it was nice having Rodgers, but I'm still that guy. As I'm the kids still number say, one, I'm still right? I'm still him, as the kids say nowadays. So there's a lot of storylines I'm going to follow in this game, and Time. and Zay is one. Um, Devontae, I think you know, being there is going to be big, but Zay Jones was very good last year, at the end of the season with Derek Carr. Yeah, and I think because of what I saw with Zay, we could see similar production from Derek but on a whole nother stratosphere with Devontae. And if that's the case, we're talking about Derek Carr being top five quarterback in the league this year. Correct. Now the question will always circle back around to how does he handle himself under pressure? And this right. game is going to really test that, right? You've got Bosa and you've got Mac coming straight yep. for him. Got a good secondary too with the Chargers. So it's not one of those things where he can just expect man-to-man coverage to win every time. But You've got the weapons finally. You've got Devontae who can win one-on-one probably every time on his guy. doesn't really usually matter, right? Unless it's Jalen Ramsey, which isn't the case. Right. Um, you've got Hunter Renfro in that slot position. You've got Waller hopefully playing in this game. You've got the guys out there to win this, these matchups. And I'm going to – I think from my perspective, I'm going to know who Derek Carr is after week one, honestly. Like because, that. yes, while it's not – while it's not, you know – Set preseason here and set in yeah. stone, but like you're this is the test right off the bat. You better be looking for Devontae and Hunter Renfro within seconds of that ball hitting your hands. And if they can't win their matchups, why even pay them? Why pay them? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, and I and then from the flip side of that, I'm looking to see what this Chargers defense looks like, much like the Packers. You're touted as you know the best offseason acquisitions in the past five, six years. Well, <laughs> I want to see what kind of Mac shows up. You know, is this is this the Khalil Mack of old, where the guy's still a top ten rusher, like J.C. Jackson? What does he look like outside of that Patriots system? You know, is he Malcolm Butler, or is he Daryl Rivas? Right, like is he still the guy? Um, very very exciting game. I think, I think this is probably my game of the week because two teams that Couldn't do not like more. each other, two coaches that you know, I know McDaniel's is new there, but organizations that are going to battle it out in that division for the end of well, time. 
and this game's in LA, but it's going to be. Oh, it is LA. Okay. We'll say, okay. We'll, we'll say 65, 65. Uh, my math's all fucked up. 35 mm-hmm. Raiders to Chargers yeah. In, yeah. in LA. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to bring up Vaughn to send a couple pictures. He's a ticket holder there. It's, it's gonna be Raiders heavy for sure. Though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, which will be pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it, this this is game of the week for me. I'm I'm I getting agree. red zone and all I'm that shocked. just it's to watch Monday this. night. But the yeah, Monday night no game we get through though. Um, all right. Let's look at conversation. We got one more game before we move on to Monday night. And this is, as you dubbed it off the air, the game of the trenches. We have Buccaneers, Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, the question, Matt, we got offensive line injuries all over the place. We Everywhere. got a partial mobile quarterback with Dak, and we got the oldest man living in Tom. Um, how bad are these offensive lines going to be? And what are you looking for with the offensive lines kind of in dire straits? Right. It's really interesting because uh, when we were talking about this and like, what's the question? What's the angle? Where are we going to kind of go about this game? Is this a great game? Bucks Cowboys. This is going to have immediate implications, tiebreaker implications at the end of the year for um, playoffs, barring the Bucks win the division and the Cowboys either win the division or they're in a wild card spot. Right. Um, both have great D lines. So the trenches, I think it evens out. I think the Dallas D line with Micah Parsons now pretty much going to be full time on the D line with uh, Shaq uh, Lawson. Yeah. Lawrence. No, Shaq Lawrence. Excuse me. Um, and then, of course, the Bucks defensive line picking up the guy from um, Akeem Hicks from Chicago. They obviously have JPP. They're fucking loaded. It's going to be interesting, man. I, I'm thinking hammer the under. Um this is going to be our first test on the uh, is Tom Brady almost done, right? Now, I won't ever admit it till I see it with my own two eyes. I don't think he will be. I will be on Tampa Bay 100%, even though it's in Dallas. It is – I don't have a good read on this game, Matt. I, I really don't. I'm really interested to see on the Cowboys' perspective how Dak Prescott does without Amari Cooper, how he does without Gallup, with only C.D. Lamb, with Tony Pollard, with Zeke Elliott, man, I think that offense is going to have a tough, tough time moving the ball. On the contrary to last season opening game where they actually looked really good in Tampa Bay. So there's a lot to kind of um, facilitate here, but I think it's going to come down to Tampa's safeties. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. Cornerbacks, question mark. I think on both sides of the ball. You got some playmakers. I agree. They they can make plays, but they can also give up plays. That's Cowboys. That's just Buccaneers. There's no question about that. Defensive line, I think you give the edge to um, the Bucks, and I think you give the linebacking Maybe. core an edge to the Bucks as well. But Brady's age and lack of mobility, I think, cancels all of that out. Really do because he's a pocket quarterback. Dak can move a little bit. Sure. Fournette, not necessarily the greatest pass catcher, can catch the ball, but you've got Pollard, who I think is an elite level slot movable pass catcher. So all of these things continue to even itself out. So when it really comes down to it, I think it's going to come down to C.D. Lamb eating and absolutely feasting on the secondary. Now, the only way he does that is if Winfrey does not stop him from doing so over the middle. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to be out there. I get your angle, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at that secondary, especially the safeties for Tampa. And it could say the same thing for Dallas, their safeties as well, because Brady obviously is methodical, but... I think Brady's a better overall controlled passer than Dak is, and Dak's going to have to rely on CD. So he's going to have to go for 12, 150. Well, two, but this is the thing, though. Like, what, what happens when uh, Winfield and they just double him? Like, then what? You can go Dalton Schultz? 
well, right? Like, thing. Where, where, right. where are you going to go? They, they don't have anything, bro. They're, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, if you're Tampa, you take, just take them away. You're really going to let him get one. I fully, fully agree with you. I don't know. Um, It's interesting. If Godwin plays, this is a blowout. I I know Godwin's still a little bit up in the air. Uh, If Godwin plays, call it a day. Watch out for Russell Gage, too. I think he has a halfway decent year with them. Listen, though, I I know we shit on McCarthy a lot. We really do. But this is him and Kellen Moore's opportunity to get creative. If you've had all offseason to anticipate playing this team without weapons on, in the wide right. receiver position. You've had all offseason, you know? Got the kid, Jalen Tolbert, is that his name? The, the yeah, punt returner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like him, but whatever. He's he's Get literally a preseason. Going, dude. So that's my thing, right? Like, go to the West Coast offense. Get Schultz and Pollard and Zeke, all of them. Eight, all, all eight targets, six receptions. Just work Dallas, right? And quick throws, because if the offensive line is in trouble, get the ball out of your hand. And just methodically beat them so that you have to bring Winfrey into the box. Is it Winfield? Sorry, Winfield. Into the box. Uh, yeah, Winfield. And opening up that one-on-one coverage, right? Like, you have no choice but to leverage. And again, you've had all offseason. If Dallas doesn't come with a good game plan, I can't even imagine how the fire McCarthy calls are going to. Because it's just unacceptable at that point. Right. Bring in Sean Payton. It's going to start yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, bring him in week two. Um, all right, Matt. Monday night. Monday this night. Is, Let's go. This is it. Final this game. is it. We are fully back after this game ends. But we this are... is it, though. This mm. is it, though. Like Revenge, huh? Could, could, could you? There's no reason the Chargers uh, Raiders shouldn't be the Monday night game, but this is the reason why it's not. Like, yeah. could you predict a... How, how is this the game to start the season? How? Well, and... I, I don't get it. I think honestly, it's it's all about the NFL painting. This is Russell Wilson's season, you know, choosing before the Who season starts to have the narrative. Um, and I, I like him; he's on my team. He's your guy. He's your top five quarterback. So we have Broncos and Seahawks. You do. Uh, my question is real simple: Do the Broncos win this game with an absolute bloodbath, twenty-one points? Right. You know how bad does this game get? Or you brought this up. Do the Seahawks find some way to make this an actual football game? Right. Um, this is Peyton Manning moment. I just, mm. I, I, I've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on this. Um, I already got a ticket in for the Broncos by a million for Monday night. <laughs> um, if this isn't Russ's moment, they wasted their money on him. Mm. There's, there's no reason in hell that he doesn't have his Peyton Manning moment. And if you just rewind the clock, I don't know how many years ago it was now, Peyton Manning's first season in Denver, goes in, plays against Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, the dope Ravens team, lights him on fire. Yes, granted that game was in Denver, but it was his coming out party of like, hey, I'm still that guy. And I think this is what we're going to see from Russell Wilson back in Seattle Monday night football, first game of the season, first game not as a Seahawk. Watch out for Sutton. Watch out for Mr. O on tight end. Watch out for Judy, Javante Williams, Russ Wilson. Um, I don't see how it is in a bloodbath. And once again, if it's not, I'd be worried as a Denver Bronco fan. I really would. Yeah, and you brought up that game, and it was Julian Thomas, who I think went for two or three touchdowns. Julius, Julius Thomas, yes, yes, yes. 
Yes, yes. Um, Julius is his name, but I call Julius. Talk about yeah. week one waiver claims in regards to fantasy. He, I mean, he lit the world on fire. And he went on to have a very, very, very good season because Peyton the Pro Bowl. that season. I think that was the season Peyton passed the all-time touchdown record. Correct. Um, and it's funny you bring up Albert O. Like, I was debating in our, our late round of our draft tonight who I should take. I don't think Russ is Peyton. I don't want to go out and say that, but I think a fun... Good season is ahead for Russ. I think if any of you fantasy owners are looking for a late round flyer, Alberto is is our guy. We did pronounce his name a couple weeks ago. If you want to go back you, in that episode, I embarrassed yes. myself. Do think I nailed it though? Um, <laughs> do not remember how to say it. No. But I think Alberto could be fun, and I, I agree with you. Brother. This is this is going to be a great game for Broncos fans. A great game for Bronco fantasy owners. Watch this game and just watch your players put up points. Williams, Sutton, Alberto. Russell, the defense, they're going to feast. I don't, I just don't know how they don't. So yeah. we'll just leave it as simple as that. Um, nothing, nothing to talk about on the Seahawks side. I hope DK plays well. I hope Rashad Penny ends up being somebody. So that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And, and um, I think it's looking like Walker's going to be out. He didn't practice today. He's our guy, right? He's our rookie that we, that you really liked. Um, really like him. He's, you know, like once he's, again, another guy that, couldn't have got drafted to a spot. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, you know. And uh, I was able to snag him away from you in fantasy today, just to you know yeah. see see what happens late in the season. But uh, Penny, I definitely think is Penny and DK are the guys to keep an eye on early in the season there from fantasy ramifications. All right, brother. So before we close it out, let's do what we do best. Um, we'll just, well, I mean, we'll ramp up the pitcher bet again uh, here for the end of the season. We will do not an X amount, but whoever has the highest winning percentage will win a beer from the other one here or a seltzer, whatever the fuck you drink. <laughs> um, I only have three picks this week that I feel really, really good about. I think we're going to go three and zero on these. These are all against the spread here. So I'll run first. Um, I love the Saints minus five and a half on the road in uh atlanta and then i like the eagles minus four in the in detroit against the lions uh sorry i have four not three and then i like the colts minus seven on the road against the texans and then we just chatted about them but i i love the broncos especially at minus six and a half get that before it moves to seven against the seahawks monday night yeah i have five i have four of the same ones you said broncos minus six and a half Okay. Ravens minus seven against the Jets. I'm taking them. Um, Saints minus five and a half. Eagles minus four. Colts minus seven. Feel great about all of these. Um, yep. When I was when I was doing some of the research on you know what were the questions of the week that we just went over, I was looking at some of these lines and I was like, oh my god! I said that to you off air. I said this has got to be a joke. Either I don't know what I'm doing with my life, or you know, week one is time to feast. And yep. I think. For all five of these for me are great, and you said it best. I think the one I'm most, uh, the one I'm least comfortable about is probably the Colts and, and the Texans. I could yeah. absolutely see could, a surprise. Could get caught. Um, I would. I would. What I'm going to do is do a five team parlay on these. I'm going to do a four team it. parlay without the Colts, and then I'm going to bet every single one of these games individually. And okay. I feel like, I feel like they're locks. I feel like this will build my bankroll where I can take some money out and just play with house money. Honestly, 
sure. Um, yeah, and I was just going to say, since you're doing parlay, I'll go with, uh, if you guys want to roll with me and my boy, Sean, who I, I do my bets with in Arizona, since you can't legally bet in California, vote yes on 27. What? Um, <laughs> so, uh, this is what we're running. I think we have a, it's six teams total. I'll run through it for you guys if you want to back us and ride us uh, with it this weekend. So our 16 parlay that we have, this is a money line parlay. Uh, we have the Saints money line, Niners money line, Bengals money line, uh, Ravens money line, Colts money line and the Broncos money line as well. So if you guys want to roll with us there, um, got a pretty big size bet on that one. So hopefully we come out victorious and um, like Matt said, playing with house money come next week. Happy week one, guys. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. As always, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Matt underscore guest at Matt underscore E underscore Morris at PitcherBetPod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we will see you guys uh, a lot more frequently now that football season's here. Have a good weekend.